Hey everyone, welcome to this installment of the P2 podcast. This is actually a retroactively recorded intro as Bryce and I went off on a tangent and decided to just hit record. So we really hope that you enjoy this uh, semi-off-brand um, conversation it's, between... It's on-brand. Very on-brand for us as individuals. Uh, off-brand off maybe in like a P2 voice as far as what you expect to hear, but this is two real people, two real men having a very real conversation. Um, and we encourage you guys to come in vulnerable and interested and, and inquisitive because it is a very interesting conversation. We'd love to hear your feedback, your comments, your experiences in the comment section, in our DMs, et cetera. So we thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoy. I will also add something before, because I do think it is important to add a little bit of context before, before people hear what we're talking about. It is like a very sensitive topic for a lot of people and Chris and I, our best friends. We've been best friends for a long time. We have these types of conversations all the time. And even during the conversation, there's no point where either one of us is like upset or angry or frustrated. We're two people who are having a conversation coming at it from different perspectives. And we're literally trying to understand the other person's side of the argument or their opinion more clearly and better. And I think that that's really important context to take into listening to the podcast episode because if you don't know that it might be really easy to assume that there is one side who is the good guy and the other side who is a bad guy and you automatically make up your mind as soon as you start hearing about the topic and hearing about the sides but you know in addition to that i wouldn't even say that either one of us necessarily believes strongly the opinion that you're arguing for and I, we recorded this last week but I will say, I think there were multiple points in the conversation where I was like, I don't even really believe this. I'm just trying to like, you know, argue from a different perspective here to make sure that we're understanding each other. So yeah, with all that being said, hope you enjoy. Definitely guys, thanks for tuning in. Like even me as like a logical person, I've had conversations with people where I could tell they're very, very emotionally activated. And if I had paused for a second and got off my logic high force and said, you know what, I'm going to hold this here for a second, but also I'm going to try to meet you where you are. Because if my end goal is forward in this conversation, then I have to at least try to figure out like emotionally how to move this forward. Otherwise we're just stuck in this like circuitous conversation where I throw a fact at you and then you scream how you feel back at me. And I'm just like, okay, well, how do I go? Okay. You know what? This is what I think. And this also is tandem to how I feel, but you obviously feel a certain way as well. So for us to move forward, I have to take both into consideration. And like, it's like I agree with you. There's no way. There's no way you can set a precedent to say, "Hey, listen, here's a contract. I'm an NBA player, and I signed for fucking five hundred million over the next, you know, six years. And then year three, you realize, well, you're not giving me what I need, and I need to go get more players." So we're going to just nullify your contract. Like, not, not only that, like think about how many professional sports contracts have clauses built in that are performance-based or they're metric-based. or They're saying, hey, you get to this milestone, you get right. this additional benefit. Tons of them. Like we were just at the end of the NFL regular season and you're seeing all these stats for so-and-so needs, you know, 50 rushing yards in the last week to get paid out, you know, 1.5 mil because all of these contracts have performance benchmarks built into them so that the company or the team or whoever, the shareholders, they can cover their ass and say, cool, if you do your part, we'll compensate you more. Like, but yes, like why, why does that not make sense for people? Right? Like for me, 
it makes more sense to have compensation be performance based than it does for it to be guaranteed, right? Like guaranteed, especially like think just I think the the sports analogy is great, right? Because you you could have a Jamarcus Russell who is guaranteed fifty million dollars on his rookie contract and shows up to to training camp day one and is you know a hundred pounds out of shape. And then he just doesn't do shit. He just toils away for the entirety of his rookie contract. And the Raiders waste 50 plus million dollars on this dude that doesn't give a shit. He just, he collected the money, right? And like, you're always taking a risk as an employer, as a company, as a, a, a sports team, whatever. You're always taking a risk with fucking everybody. But you and I talk about this a lot. Whenever you're bringing someone on to work for you or work with you, whatever, like you have to, you have to figure out a way to incentivize them to care about that thing as much as you care about that thing and the only way to do that is to build in like monetary incentives for most people most people are they're incentivized by money status power freedom whatever right and going back to like the elon example like elon doesn't give a shit about like he has money right he has enough money to do pretty much anything he'll ever want to do and his future generations will ever want to do but it's not about that for him and this is something that like if you look deeper into it, the dude needs money to fund his other ventures. Yeah. Not just pocketing that money and like going to Vegas every other weekend. He's not just blowing it on strippers. Like he's using money that he makes from Tesla to fund SpaceX. He's right. used money in SpaceX to fund his purchase of Twitter yeah. and then circle that back around to like Neuralink and, and like Starlink and all these things. Like, that's the thing that people don't really understand about it's like a certain class of me i can't even put my mind into right like i can't comprehend how elon thinks because if i had a billion dollars i would retire right never work again i'd go fucking chill on a beach right i'd get bored eventually but then i'd yeah i say i think you would eventually i didn't remind myself that i have a billion dollars and i'm on a beach and i feel better about it and but there are people that no matter how much money, like money isn't a thing to them. It doesn't matter to them. It's it's a resource that they use to get something else that they want. And for I don't even know what the fuck motivates Elon, to be honest, or like people like that. Because other, other than like literally caring about the future of humanity. And like, I don't know if I could bank anything on like pure altruism because I don't trust other people that much. Like there has to be some other motivating factor. But whenever I'm looking at someone like Elon specifically, people have such diverging opinions on him. And we were just talking about this, like Elon the person, right? And I don't agree with a lot of Elon the person's opinions. But whenever I look at the facts of what the man has achieved as an entrepreneur, and if you can separate that from his political opinions or, you know, whatever he, he fucking shit posts on Twitter, right? Like you can separate those things. How could you not root for Elon the entrepreneur to be successful? Like, even like I would think that the people that are in starkest opposition to him now, specifically like very liberal people, right? Because his, you know, social media persona is very, I guess, like trending conservative, like with a lot of what people see of that, which I would also kind of agree with it. Like he'll share like very conservative media and he'll like, you know, comment on like the DEI type of shit, right? Like, like he, he definitely has much more of that mindset than, um, than I would have thought of him maybe a few years ago, but a lot of his initiatives with his companies are what I would say align much more with like 
democratic and liberal thinking, right? Where it's like, okay, yeah, you have Tesla, which is an EV company and a gigantic platform for like the democratic party is this transfer over to clean energy and away from fossil fuel. And like a gigantic part of the conservative party is fossil fuel. So it's like dudes running a, a company that is predicated on like what I would consider to be like liberal values, but he's also being labeled as like this racist conservative. It's like, guys, let's analyze the situation, right? Like you can disconnect the person from the company here and root for the fucking company, even if you don't like the person. And you can't renege on promises that you've made or contracts that you signed. And it definitely can't be reneged by a third party that has no skin in the game. That's not in any way affected by the decision. And that's where, that's where like my big, my big issue comes in with this, right? And like, it's very problematic whenever you start like thinking in terms of like seizing what other people have, right? Like that's a very like communist ideology. Like we're gonna start seizing the farms, right? We're gonna nationalize everything. Or whenever you start making decisions for other people that you're not a part of, or that the power starts being shifted away from people that are affected by those decisions, that's problematic to me, like extremely fucking problematic. And I think where my position here is that everyone should be up in arms and very like frustrated about this trend and like what is happening to Elon specifically here, because it is a horrible precedent to set no matter who you are, no matter if you hate the guy, if you hate billionaires, if you hate rich people, whatever, if you hate capitalism, it doesn't matter. You should still be very against the ability for third parties to come in and essentially void a contract between person A and company B or, or person B after the fact. Like that to me is just like insanity. Yeah. I, um, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's the emotional aspect and it's a lot of have nots. Google, do you have enough? Like, I don't want to hear you complaining about it. And one circle back to your point. I don't think that you sit on beach and do nothing. I think that you would probably, maybe not to the degree that Elon does. I don't think I want to be that busy, right? Um, yeah. But I think that I think that money begets, like I'd be like Shaq. I'm like, fuck it, bro. Like, I can do whatever I want. I could be a DJ today. If I wanted to be in law enforcement, if I wanted to be a doctor, like I could go, go do whatever the fuck I wanted to do, right? And that's probably what I would do. I'd probably go sit in class, learn something new, maybe own a basketball team, like, you know, like that kind of shit. So it's like work, but like, should I really want to do? Yeah. And I imagine that that's probably what like, like Neuralink and SpaceX are like, while they're really hard work, like you can just tell like this kid read a lot of sci-fi, got a lot of money and was like, I'm going to do all the things that I read about in books. Like, I, I just want to do that shit. And if the money gives me the ability to do so, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I was at a very high level. I don't like when people say they don't like celebrities i hate it like there are there are celebrities i for sure don't listen to they just agitate me but like I, if you ask hey chris who's a celebrity you hate i'm like the last celebrity persona that i probably just was like dude i would i would punch that person in the throat it was probably tommy loren but that was her that was who she was supposed to be remember that she was the blonde like yeah, yeah. she was a cute yeah. girl and i was just like she was just like saying like asinine shit very borderline like this girl would use the n-word if she could use it right now i like, guess this is what it felt like when she would come on screen but like i don't i don't i don't hate donald trump i don't dislike i don't believe he's a racist i don't believe that elon's a racist i'm like 
to sit there and take sound clips and sound bites of people, even if you are kind of polarized by them and say, I'm going to label this person as this thing without having a conversation with them, it's just irresponsible. And then what happens is what's happening here is everyone clouds it. Would people be less against Elon if he was more affable? You know, if he was Matthew McConaughey, like if Matthew McConaughey had money stripped from him, would the country be like, nah, fuck that, give my all right, all right, all right, man, back his money? Or would they be like, dude, you're a millionaire, like stop crying? I think you probably have more empathist, you know, sympathist people coming to say, hey, listen, I think that Matthew McConaughey has been wronged here and we need to, you know, stand with him because that's the kind of person he is. He's just this real cool, chill, laid back dude. So it sucks that obviously like Elon's social persona and people's emotions about how billionaires are positioned is what's playing in here. But to your point that you made at the very beginning of like the people who I know who are like, hey, listen, I don't think there should be any millionaires. All the money should be funneled back in. And I'm like, I don't agree with that. I also think that there are, if the government kept their hands out of money, a lot more millionaires and billionaires would probably give back to communities to try to enrich them and build schools and stuff like that. But like when they're told what they have to do and what brackets they're going to be in and that you're going to pay this, or there are people who are clamoring and labeling them as these bad people, the incentive is, is kind of dissipating there. Right. And so for you to say that about Elon, well, he shouldn't have that because I don't have. And I'm like, there's a kid in the Philippines eating on the dirt floors, bro. Like, should you not have a house because they don't have floors? And so the argument falls, the emotional argument falls flat really quickly. Um, and that's where I think I always try to encourage you. I'm like, hey, dude, I get it. You know the facts. But if you understood, I know you understand the emotion. If you took the emotion and you kind of intertwined it around your facts, very quickly, I think people would go, oh, wait, hold on. He's hearing what I'm saying. He's got a really good point. And he's kind of paying homage to both sides, which I think you can do and probably more adequately end debates. Well, I just don't have a lot of patience for bullshit. And then also, I don't have a lot of patience for people that argue from flawed perspectives. Or if they're arguing from a position of like just reinforcing their like, you know, shitty fort rather than actually trying to come to any sort of not even a middle ground but like getting closer to an understanding from where the other party is at currently you know and i think that it is important to understand that like within any disagreement or argument it, it's it's most likely that neither side is 100 percent accurate right there is probably going to be some degree of variation from the the real truth that each side is coming from and they're each going to have their own biases. They're each going to have their own misconceptions, their own you know, experiences that's clouding their judgment. But, you know, if one party is like actively trying to listen to the other side and they're trying to clear up their own biases and their own misconceptions, and the other party is just trying to persuade or convince the other side to come over to their side, like that's not arguing or debating from good faith, you know, and, and that's where I have a lot of issues with people that search for arguments or they're very quick to tell other people why their beliefs or their opinions are wrong, but they're not actually willing to listen to what those beliefs are or where those opinions come from or what is like feeding into those surface level beliefs. You know, it's just very easy to say, no, you're wrong. I'm right. And because you're wrong, then you're also a bad person. Right. 
And that that's just where I, I tend to kind of like shut down immediately. And then I'm like, well, I don't really care about like your um, emotional appeal anymore. I don't really care about how this makes you feel because you're not arguing in good faith anymore. And that's, that I think is like a crux of, of my disposition whenever it comes to the way that I, I evaluate a lot of these things. Like, yeah, I know that I'm probably wrong in some capacity in a lot of the things that I say and a lot of my beliefs, but if someone were to present me with better evidence, then I would, I would like to think that I would see that and not reinforce my, my shitty fort. You know, I be able to like, okay, let's pick up and move a little bit closer towards where I think this is actually going or where I think like the, the real truth lies. Um, but not a lot of people are capable of doing that. And you see this a lot with social media, right? Where people get presented with like facts or evidence or data that is proving their position wrong. And rather than evaluating that and like integrating the new evidence into their beliefs, they just discount it or they call people names or, you know, they try and write it off, whatever bullshit, or they just pretend they ignore it. They just pretend that it doesn't exist. And to me, like, that's just, that that's just shitty, right? Like that's just not coming into a disagreement or into a debate in good faith. And that's just trying to bully people to come over to your side. And that's not really respecting that there is a reality to the situation. There is a truth that can be pursued. And we've talked about this before, but like there is an objective truth, right? There actually is, no matter what people want to say, there is a reality and we all live in it. Um, it can be clouded by various things, but there is only one reality. There's not an infinite amount for everybody's, you know, ebbs and flows of their personalities. So that I, I could probably like continue talking on about this, but I'm um, going back to like the, the billionaire point. Um, one thing that I, I've started to really frame my, my thoughts and views around this is that people care much more about relative status. Than they do absolute status. And what I mean by that is objectively over the past hundred years, let's say everyone's lives, especially in the U S have gotten absolutely better. And I would really hope that no one would argue that, right? Like I, I would hope that no one would say, no, life was better during the great depression. Like, please don't argue that. Um, but people also tell you that right now things are worse than they've ever been because there is a greater inequality gap than has ever existed in the U S and it's growing. And there are, you know, hundred or decabillionaire classes. And there are people that are living, you know, paycheck to paycheck below minimum wage. They're, you know, being taken advantage of and all these things. And my belief around that is even the people that are living below minimum wage are living a pretty damn comfortable lifestyle compared to everyone who has ever lived in all of human history. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't mean that we have to just sit on our hands for eternity and accept that things are the way that they are now and that's the way that they'll forever be. But we can at least take a step back and appreciate that things are getting fucking better and that we don't have people in the US just starving on the streets. Like right. people aren't dying in mass from, oh, I was gonna say from like the Spanish flu, but I mean COVID, whatever. But you know what I mean, right? Like. Like we don't have the same levels of, of preventable diseases that are causing issues like they were before. Like we have technology that is 
literally science fiction compared to what our grandparents had. So all of these things in my mind compound to an absolute level of life and standard of living that has continued to accelerate and improve for everybody in the world, right? But the relative gaps are more apparent now than they've ever been because you're consistently subjected to the lives of the richest and highest status people. And you're seeing this everywhere that you go and you can't escape it. And that forces you in a lot of ways to compare your life, even if you're middle class or even if you're upper, upper middle class, you're comparing upwards all the time. You're not like maintaining perspective and comparing down. You're always looking up and saying, well, why does this person have X amount more than I do? Like what me what makes them worthy of that? And I think that that's a fucking disease of thinking and people are not able to like actually appreciate where they are and like the luxuries that they have because they're so worried about other people. But like, like that's not, that's not the reality. And I think that that's where like, that's, that's my thought here is like, there is one reality, right? And like the one reality is like, things are getting better for everyone, like yeah. literally, literally everyone. And if you tried to argue with me about that, I would call you out on that immediately. Like everyone in the world, I, I dare say in the world, has a better life now they probably ever had at, in any era in human history. And I think that that should be celebrated more. And I think that we can point things out, but I we also should point things out with like a tent of, yes, this is an issue, but we also don't want to sacrifice all the progress that we've made in the last 100, 200, 300, 500 years for this, you know, 1% better issue if we resolve it, right? That's more so where I'm coming from with a lot of my positions here is, um, you know, yeah, like the absolute versus relative thing, it, it it does tend to become very problematic if it's left unchecked. Yeah, so like two good points there. So rule one, if I ever talk about debating or like arguing with someone, it is... It can always be assumed that I'm talking about debating or arguing with someone that I've already deemed intelligent enough to argue with. Um, yeah. Like if someone is just going to stand on their fucking rock and scream at me, like very quickly, like you have one or two times of reiterating or regurgitating something you've already said for me to realize that we're in a circle. And then very quickly, I will find a way to exit the conversation. I will no longer try to take it any deeper because I've realized that like if if conversation is Dante's Inferno and we're like, boom, boom, just traveling down and you just stop here and I go here, you go, well, wait. And I'm like, well, and you go, wait. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, like it's a, you don't have the, the capacity to learn or to grow or even to continue and progress and evolve in that moment. Um, like with me, like I'm trying to do it with you. Like I'm trying to learn from you. You learn from me. Let's keep going. If you stall that with some sort of just like circuitous conversation, I'm I'm dipping out. Like uh, people talk to me, especially like just the strong uh, white sympathizers with the minority struggle. Like, well, these racists and this and that. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about racists. I don't care about racist people. It doesn't bother me. Like, you already hold an ideal that is so fucking fucked up that like, what is my purpose in trying to change it? It's not, it's not based on logic. It's not based on reason. It cannot be changed. If you have a biased opinion because you grew up and your older brother was jumped by three black dudes or your dad was killed by a, a Muslim, like I 
remember growing up in America after 9-11, everyone in a turban scared me, right? That didn't mean that like I, like, I was gonna go out and like hate all of them, but if I saw someone, it would have taken a conversation for me to let my guard down based on my experience. Like I watched two planes fly through a TV, right? And I watched guys speak a language from a place and hate towards the people of the place I live from. So I think I think that's also so not to derail your conversation at all, but like that's also a, a super legitimate belief and thought that you had and that most people had is because like that was our experience, right? Like our experience was that we just had our way of life derailed by something that was extremely catastrophic and traumatizing for everyone. And then, like you said, there were people telling us that they wanted our our whole civilization, everything that we know, to be like to evaporate, essentially, right. to be like wiped off the earth because like we're we're scum. And like that's fucking terrifying. Like that that's very scary. But you're, you're, you're like you're like third, fourth grade, you're hearing yeah. this shit. Uh but like, dude, I not to turn this like extremely political, but like this is where a lot of my contentions come from with like the whole Israel Palestine thing. Jesus Christ, it's getting really, really choppy. We gotta, yeah, we gotta be careful how we we traverse this. But this is where a lot of my issues come from with that, right? Is I one hundred percent don't think that all people from Palestine are terrorists. And I don't think that all people from Israel are these, you know, colonizers who are dead set on genocide. I don't believe that at all, right? However, would I blame someone who has been, you know, forcefully evicted from the West Bank for thinking that Israelis are essentially like the equivalent of, of like fascist Nazis? I hate even to use their Israelis and Nazis and same, but like colonizers that were just like genocidal, right? No, I wouldn't blame them because that's their experience. By the same token, would I blame someone who was, you know, caught in the October 7th massacre? Would I blame someone for thinking that all Palestinians are terrorists and that they're all like on this jihad mission to eradicate Jews? Fuck no, I wouldn't blame them for that because that's their experience. That's also what they're being told, right? Like that's that's something for me where I'm seeing a lot of what's coming out. And granted, I'm like super fucking fortunate to be on this side of the earth that I don't have to see that stuff day to day because I'm sure if I saw it day to day that would really change again experience that would change how I'm seeing things but man like if there are people that are telling me that they want to wipe my entire race and religion and peoples off the earth I'm gonna fucking believe them whenever they tell me that that is what they want right so whenever Hamas or whenever like the Houthis have Literally, like their charter saying we want to destroy the Jews or we want to destroy death to America. Like I'm going to take that at face value and say, maybe we shouldn't fucking support these people guys. Maybe we should think twice about that. Or maybe like if these people are shooting rockets at our chips, at our ships going through this channel, maybe we should just say, fuck it and carpet bomb them. Like I'm like that. Maybe that makes me super privileged and like, you know, a shitty American, but you have to take shit at face value sometimes. And like, I don't respect the argument of, oh, well, you know, like we're imposing on them. It's like, oh, 
all right, that's that's fine. You know, to a degree, I'll grant you, like, does the U.S. medal? Yes, the U.S. medals. We're, we're known meddlers, right? We get in other people's shit. But at the same time, like, there, there is an aspect of, like, you have to protect what is protectable. And the U.S., by a gigantic fault of our own, because we should never have done this, but we decided to be world police. Mm-hmm. We decided that we had to interject ourselves in every local issue that ever popped up and we had to take sides and we had to help resolve shit and like that that is a us problem we never had to do that but because we became the biggest and the most powerful it was then kind of passed to us like we had the baton it's like hey guys what are you gonna do you have a big strong army and navy like go do something go help these people out but the thing is is like we get blamed for meddling but now we also get blamed for not meddling enough yeah it's it's double-edged right like you think it's it's i remember um, reading and then watching, and I think that Pearl Harbor actually did a really good, um, just like illustration of this. But after Japan dropped the bombs on Pearl Harbor, and like the voice of one of the captains essentially says, like, they're like, they're like all cheering and shit, like, good job. And one of the captains expresses a concern that, like, I think we might have just awakened a sleeping giant, essentially. Like, we, we could have just stayed over there because they were staying over here. They were minding their own business, you know. Um, but then obviously the whole world watches the U.S. go, all right, like, here we come. Do everything that happens, right? Obviously drop the bombs, Nagasaki, storm the beaches of Normandy. We win the war. And then it's like, well, now you're big brother. And now if you don't come over here to Vietnam or to Korea or do this or do that, like, you're just a privileged bunch of people sitting on the other side of the pond. And if you do come over here, you're being big brother in the way that you're imposing your will on us. And you are making everyone be American or be like America and that... And so, like you said, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's a tough place to be caught in. Um, to circle back to the idea of just understanding perspective, or at least trying to. I think that's the biggest thing for me. And as a minority, like I would 100% have any conversation with any non-brown or black person about any misconception or personal experience they have. Um, I would never sit down and talk to a, a person who's like, I just hate black people because I hate black people. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, good for you. It won't even hurt my feelings. I'll be like, all right, like, that's, that's a, it's an interesting take, you know? Um, it hurts my feelings when I hear people have had bad experiences that have, you know, coded their, their view, mostly because I'm like, that person could have been any color. They just happen to be this color. So it sucks that now we have this uphill battle here, but that's life, right? I have those things. You have those things. Um, and I think that's an important piece to any debate whether you're talking political like as big as israel and sorry i should say as big and as distant as israel palestine because that can get heated because people in america who are not over there getting bombed are arguing about it and it's like really neither one of us have that proper proper perspective jesus christ here um there are people who i know who have like family there right like that's that that pulls them in a bit closer and obviously i think that they're their perspective should definitely probably carry more weight because that's the closest we're going to get to talking to someone who's probably on the ground over there. Um, but I think, again, the word perspective and having a conversation and talking are the pieces that people miss versus saying, like, I'm going to just yell at you and tell you what it is you're going to do and what why you're wrong. And to your second point of, like, appreciating I've, it's funny because I even recognized it when you said it. I had like a, a slight like, huh, 
because I know what happens there, right? Because I also understand and agree that yes, life is better. Black people are not being lynched. Gay people are not being castorized. Like the poor are not as poor. Like those are all things that like, there is no margin. They are a hundred percent better today than they were 10, 20, 40, 50, hundred years ago. I think what happens is you have a people who have a problem that may or may not be apparent to everyone else who come and they present that problem. And a few people listen. And a few people also say, well, if you don't like it, then leave. Those kinds of comments, right? Like, if you don't like America, then just leave. Well, that doesn't encourage the person to go, hey, yeah, America's really good, but also we still have problems. They go, no, fuck America and fuck you. for it, it just, it incites. And so you don't know really which way it comes from first. You don't know if the person brought a problem and a person said, okay, okay, let's talk about it. And they just kept yelling and they're like, wait a second, dude, if you have this big of a problem, just fucking get out. Or if it happened like, hey, we have this problem. We want you to help us fix it. Hey, dude, America's pretty fucking great. Like, don't complain about the little shit. At least you have this. At least you have that, right? Like, there's a bunch of rhetoric. Like, you can, I don't know if you ever read Michael Jordan's book, but there's a point in time where he gets his first contract and he, like, snubs the Reebok contract and the guy essentially said something to the effect of like, you should be grateful, essentially. Like coming from where you're from, who you are, like you should be grateful I even offered you this. And Jordan's like agent was like, fuck you, bro. Like get out of here. Like you, you could just kind of tell the like the error that it was coming with. And I think that's where the ebb and flow comes where it's like, okay, well, I get it. Let's appreciate that. Like, I'm glad I was born here and nowhere else. Like, I I can say that very, very proudly. I maybe England, you know, like I'm like, I don't want to go to many other places. That being said, there are things that we can for sure fix and be vigilant of and say, hey, listen, I'm like through some good dialogue here, through proper like planning and execution, like we can definitely enrich this part of American life for everyone. Um without taking from others and without causing this giant uprising with riots and people looting targets. Well, I I think you know me well enough that you know that I agree with what you're saying. Um, my, my point there is that there is absolutely always a justification for trying to improve the last 1%. Right. Like you, you should never stop trying to improve stuff. And just because it has gotten 99% better doesn't mean that it can't continue to improve. And we shouldn't continue to try and make things better or more equal or more standardized or whatever the fuck it might be, right? Um, which is actually like, I don't know how we've circled around the DEI shit this long because like, I feel like that's like right in the middle of us. But um, one thing I did want to talk, talk about, and then we could actually talk about that for a moment because yeah. I don't even know, like we, we've been talking about like wanting to have that conversation, but um for me, uh, one big issue that I have, and I think that this is, this derails a lot of, a lot of like activism for a lot of people, myself included, is I want to believe in causes. I, I want to like support things whenever I do feel like there are like injustices or whenever I do feel like there is something that is worth like speaking out about or like having that be your platform. But you have to be really careful with who you allow to associate with your cause and who you allow to 
allowed to be the champion and the speaker in the face of your cause, right? So do I want, if, if my, if my platform is climate change and that's my big thing, I, I am fucking passionate about climate change. I, I want to do everything that I can to ensure that climate change does not get worse. Do I want people throwing soup at the Mona Lisa? Fuck no, I don't. Like, like, why the fuck? Like, to me, those things feel like if there was a thing that I was going to plan to have people be against my cause, that's what I would do. I would have people go out and like block interstates. I, I would, I would have people go make life miserable for everyone else who I'm trying to convince that my cause is just. That's how I would, if I had to come up with this mastermind plan to turn everyone against a cause, I would do exactly what a lot of these activists do. So that in my mind is like where you lose so many people. And then I also think I'm like, man, if I was, if I were conspiratorial, I'd be like, man, this seems like very false flaggy, right? Like if, if I, if I was like very pro Israel, what, what would I do? I would have a bunch of like, people holding up Palestinian flags going and boycotting at a fucking children's cancer hospital. That's what I would do if I were very pro-Israel. I'd hire all of these like like have you started foundation yet or no? No, I haven't. I haven't. This 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 ties in. You'll see it in there. Okay. But, yeah. but like but that's that to me is where I always get lost on on activism, right? Is there are I hate to fucking say it like this, but there there are good ways and there are bad ways to champion a cause. And even going back to going back to like civil rights, going back to we want to talk about like um you know Indian independence, so like Gandhi, those types of things. Yes, there were nonviolent aspects to those. Do I think that everything has to be nonviolent? I actually don't. I do think that there are times whenever like a situation calls for or some type of like violent intervention. But I think that now we're mostly past that. Yeah. Like, at least in the the developed Western world, we're mostly past like needing that type of thing, especially for like a social cause, right? Um, but there are times whenever like you have to take more extreme measures. Like if someone were to go out and do like like some type of fast, right? That is gonna get a lot of attention. But you know what? That's also not fucking impeding on everyone else. People are going to notice that there's that person that is on a hunger strike that's sitting in front of this like, you know, parliament building. They're going to see that person and it, they're going to start to feel something about that. And they're maybe going to start listening to that person's cause, but their life is not upended by this person or this group making it more challenging than it needs to be for no reason, right? And that's where I'm like, okay, if you have something that is important enough for you to be protesting about, for you to be posting about all over social media, for you to be like heckling people about, you have to understand what the right and wrong way to get people to pay attention to your cause is. And like also persuade them that they want to be a part of your group too. You can't just yell at them. You right. can't just like call anyone who disagrees with you a Nazi. You can't. Like if you want to actually bring people to your side, there we talked about this tact. Tact is so fucking important in everything that you do. You have to, you like you have to understand how people are going to perceive your actions. And if people are throwing fucking soup at the Mona Lisa, 
if they're dropping like ink in in Roman fountains, bro, I'm not supporting your shit. Like, like I I want the world to get hotter to spite you. Like, I hate I hate to be that person, but fuck, man. Like, that's not how you win me over, and that's not how you win the majority of people over. Like, I feel like I'm I'm analytical. And even that like appeals to to my emotion in the absolutely opposite direction of that cause. So I mean, like that shit to me just like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense whenever whenever that's the activism of choice that that ends up being like taken. I just I I, I don't understand it. Yeah. I think um and you and I have had this conversation before. Um because and I will start with something like climate change, which I think doesn't emotionally tie either one of us. Uh, I agree, right? Like, that's not the way to do it. I think being a minority does that give me a, a tandem perspective because I think a lot of activism is, it's charged up and misplaced based on past, right? People idolize past activists such as like, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Gandhi, et cetera. Like and even in their stories, a lot of the stories that we get are titrated, right? So what the public would like us and like, people don't know that Martin Luther King actually got pretty violent towards the end of his life because he started to feel like the nonviolent approach was not working. Um, and that Malcolm X started off peaceful, right? Like he actually started off very, very peaceful until eventually he just kind of had it. Like, you know what, by any means. And so... I think, like you said, there is definitely a place for an escalation of like, hey, everything needs to stop for a moment. The Million Man March, right? Like the idea, like that was not a convenient thing for anyone in that state, but it got a lot of attention and it, it drew like, okay, you know what? Like, what the fuck's going on here? Like it's like a fast wood or something like that. But you don't want to be an adjutant. And I think the idea of aggressing toward non-involved individuals is the part where you're going to start losing people. It's like, okay, listen, the Mona Lisa didn't do shit to you, bro. Like, like why, why are you here and not fucking outside of the, the, the car or oil plants? Like go, go, go to places that make sense. Right. And so I, I do definitely align with you there. I think where I push back and this is me pushing back as a black man is you being my best friend, being my brother, if you said, hey, man, I believe black lives do matter, but I do not want to, sorry, I can wrap my foot up in something. I do not want to align myself publicly because of these bad actors, right? And of course, the bad actors always get the publicity. But you believe in the crux of the mission, the crux of the the cause. You're like, you know, that this should, there's some inequities, there are some things that should be fixed, and I believe in that. I would just, I stand on the side that I believe you and individuals like you, one, we need your voice and you are far too smart to allow yourself to be grouped in with the bad actors. If you truly believe in a cause, right? Like if you truly, like I am big on climate change and you were to say something about like, Hey, like, yeah, this needs to change. This is to change. And the people go, what about those fucking assholes who threw paint on the Mona Lisa or through super Mona Lisa? You go, well, they're assholes. I agree with you. They're, that doesn't doesn't change how I feel about things needing to change on a systemic level just because some fucking moron decided to take this cause, wear it, and go do something stupid. 
I, I, I think that's the part where I 100% agree with the bad actors making it really hard for the cause to gain traction or keep momentum. But if a person were to come to me and say, I believe in the cause, but these people, I'm like, no, then believe in the cause. Make it your own. Like, make your own argument. You can definitely partition yourself because no matter what the cause, there are going to be people who are going to detract and use it for just a reason to be stupid. Kind of like you mentioned earlier with the, whether you hate Elon or you love Elon, the man's on a mission to make things better for everyone. Like, everything is just getting better for us. Cars that would have cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars to go ahead and buy are now made commercially available to the average household to be able to go buy a $30,000 Tesla. Like, that's that's dope, bro. And that's because it's what he wanted to do. He didn't want it to just be a supercar forever. He wanted the average person to be able to contribute to the betterment of the world. If you don't like him, and you say, well, I'm not going to buy a Tesla because fuck Elon. It's like, no, you're saying fuck the earth, right? Being able to separate the person and the actual mission, I think, is really, really important to your point earlier. Yeah, well, I, I agree with that, right? And I, I do want to touch on like your your BLM thing, though. I want I because I, I think that that is a really actually interesting case study, because we know that BLM isn't just a slogan. BLM is a it's a foundation. It's a charity, and a lot of people donated a lot of money to the BLM foundation, thinking and believing that that was going to be used in a way that was congruent with the slogan of BLM. Right. And what happens there is just pretty much like what happens with any nonprofit, right? But some of them, unfortunately, get monopolized and taken over by people who are kind of scammers. And that's what happened with BLM in a lot of ways. And that's unfortunate, right? And also you have BLM that is now very closely associated and thought of in parallel with like riots mm -hmm. in parallel with like, in my mind, like unnecessary destruction and a lot of things that were, I hate to say like pretty over the top, right? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like there, like there, there were aspects and like you and I talked about this at the beginning where it's like, like there, there needs to be some aspect of like, we're going to hold demonstrations. We're going to protest. We're, we're going to like, you know, demand reform for like the police, like the police departments and shit like that. And I was, I was down with that. Like I agreed with that. And I thought that that was 100% what, what needed to happen then. But again, like things get carried away and they get carried too far and for, for me, like you and I can have this conversation. I can tell you, of course, like I believe in like the slogan, Great. Black Lives Matter. And I can disconnect that from the charity or the foundation of Black Lives Matter. A lot of people can't. Mm -hmm. And I, but I, but I think that that's where, that's where the problem, and th this is the, the crux of what I'm talking about. It's where the problem lies, right? A lot of people will never be able to make that dis, that disconnection from what is the purpose and what is the cause versus who is running the cause and who was, who is benefiting from this cause, getting more traction and becoming more at like the front and center of like, you know, the public's mind, who is making money from this? What are the incentives like to, to continue to push this thing? Right. And that's where most people, they fall into that trap. But I think, and this is my opinion, I think that 
the trap is kind of the fault of the cause in a lot of ways. And we'll probably disagree on this. Yeah. But um I, I do I do believe that there is some aspect of like you have to hold your own accountable. Like oh, I'd like that that's yeah. And and if if you're the if you're the black community, you should not defend I hate to even fucking say it. Like I'm not gonna tell the black community what to do. But like Oh, Jesus. Again, walking on eggshells here just to make sure that I'm not like, stupid. Thing is, I, 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 know, I know where you're going and I know that you're not, I know you're not a fucking bigot or racist and anyone who, if this ever gets out, obviously anyone who listens, um, you know, I would encourage them to obviously like take a step back and breathe if they were triggered by anything that was said. Well, I would hope no one's triggered by anything that I'm saying because like I'm approaching this logically from the perspective of like if, if you have someone who is making your cause look bad, or if they are an active roadblock to bettering and promoting your cause, have to get rid of them and disconnect from them as soon as possible and say, we are no longer associated with that person, with that group. They're not us. So here's, so here's the, the I, I don't disagree with you. I think I attribute responsibility a bit more evenly. And here's, so Donald Trump had the KKK leaders come out and say that they, he was their president, right? Years back. He never denounced them like, hey, fuck those guys. And he never said, thank you guys. And he found his way to sidestep and kind of go, well, I don't agree and this and that. But he never just came out and said, you know, fuck those guys. And that's where people started aligning him with like racist tendencies because he didn't hold his own accountable. These white guys are saying some hateful shit and they're saying that you're the guy that they want to rock with and you didn't come back. And so, but people wanted to give him a pass. He can't, he can't control who wants to be. And so, and I actually agreed with that. Like he can't control it. The reason why I can see logically that he's losing it is because he needs to keep a certain amount of votes from people he knows hold similar ideals. So he cannot come out and be directly against them so boldly, but he's going to lose people as well who are going to tie him to a cause that he probably has nothing to do with. And so I think it's just the level of everyone needing to be smarter, which this is a, in my ideal world, right? This is this utopia that doesn't exist and never will. There needs to be more responsibility on the sellers and the consumers. It doesn't need to be assumed by all of, you know, either party. And the reason why I say that is because the minute that one side of the party or even an innocent bystander watching the transaction of ideas happens, they go, oh, emotionally, I feel like you should be more responsible. Like you as the, the black person or the woman or the whatever should turn around to the other women and say, hey, if we want men to take us more seriously, you shouldn't have an OnlyFans and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And it's like, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand you should hold your own accountable more in the way of like preparatory. Hey guys, listen, if this is our plan, how do we plan on executing it? If someone says, I'm going to throw a bomb in the White House, I'm like, no, you're not. Because that's not going to get us to, to point B here, right? But if a white person is listening to me and goes, good point, good point. That guy just threw a bomb in the White House. Fuck you and everything you're talking about and walks away. I'm like, fuck you. Be an individual. Have 
a complex thought process here and understand that like I don't align with him either. He's just some guy that weaponized a cause that he was semi-affiliated with. I believe you to be a more complicated person to be able to understand that what happens is people see these causes and they only want to understand them at surface level. They go, oh, and so then like Black Lives Matter or women's rights or anti-abortion laws and isn't that and they go, I'm going to throw my money at it because that's how I feel like I'm helping. They didn't read anything. They didn't talk to individuals from the community. They didn't go try to learn anything. And then when it backfires, they're like very shallow, I give a fuck for a second, backfires on them. They go, oh, fuck those people. Like, no, fuck you. If you had like learned anything and tried to understand anything, then you might have been able to contribute in a more meaningful way. Maybe well, you wouldn't I, have just thrown money at something. Well, I will say, so to push back on that one in particular, is that... In 2020, if you remember, the idea of taking a step back and thinking about something and analyzing it and give it a, giving it a moment to simmer was, that was not good. You weren't allowed to do that in 2020. And like, you and I have even had these conversations because we would talk about it and I was like, I need to understand what's going on better. And Back then, it was very emotionally charged. And I remember, like, you and I had gotten into it at a couple... Not gotten into it, but, like, we'd gotten into, like, some um, more emotionally charged conversations because of that. And I was like, it's not that I need to think about whether, like, racism is good or bad. I need to understand the situation more clearly. And I need to understand what I'm supporting, right? But that, I think, is what the issue ended up being was BLM ended up standing for I support black people. So the idea was, if you do not support BLM, the organization, then you are a racist and you also don't support black people. But that's what it, that's what it became in 2020. So you, you have I to remember. I think that's what it became, again, to, to, to shallow casuals of the situation, right? So think about like, think about our club that we had, right? Our little meetings and stuff. I don't think I ever said Black Lives Matter one time in that entire meeting. Because I didn't really, I, I was not trying, that's not what it was for, right? I encourage people to take action. And action could be in a myriad of ways. I give a fuck about your black square on Instagram, bro. If you came to me and you said, hey, Chris, what can I do to contribute to being part of the solution? I never said donate money. I said have conversations. Because what happens is when you have conversations, if you go, hey, man, and that's why I say shallow, right? Like idea of saying, hey oh, you don't support Black Lives Matter because you haven't donated money. But if someone said that to you and you go, actually, dude, I've actually been attending these meetings with a bunch of diverse guys to have conversations to better my understanding of the perspective of people who are different than me. If that person said, we're well, still not good enough, well, that person's a moron. It comes back to you being able to differentiate. Do you, do you remember those videos that were coming out in 2020 of protesters that would be heckling people that were sitting at restaurants outside? Like they were like these people were just sitting at restaurants outside, sitting there trying to enjoy their dinner and there'd be protests going on right on that sidewalk and they would be yelling at them. And a lot of it would be things like, you know, say Black Lives Matter. It's like say black like they would they would scream at these people to demand them to say something like that. And like I'm thinking of this because I remember seeing a video that's exactly that. Like they were yelling at someone who would not say Black Lives Matter specifically. And I, I'm I'm harping on this example because I think that 
this is something that was so emotionally charged in the moment at that time that it people were incentivized to not think they were incentivized to just say because to just say would take the spotlight off of them for a moment and shift it on to someone else it would pass pass the baton to someone else and 2020 was like that summer was just a witch hunt it was a perpetual witch hunt for someone to be blamed for everything that was going on because everyone had so much pent up anger about the situation that was the year of 2020, right? There was just so much shit going on and people just needed someone or something to blame. So people were getting canceled every five fucking seconds. Every politician was getting shouted down. Like China was getting blamed for COVID. Like the scientists were getting blamed for COVID. Trump was getting blamed for COVID. We were all getting blamed for COVID, right? That was a big issue. And then like, Everyone is a fucking racist. Like everyone was a racist in 2020. And that was, I think if, if any time encapsulates a moment where people were most incentivized to just do and not think, or just say and not think it was 2020. And again, this is a super extreme example that I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to, no. on, to make because I, I, I think that it is the idea of a cause getting corrupted by something or or someone or people that ended up they ended up taking over like the ethos of the cause and they ended up that's like, so that's actually factually incorrect and that's what that was my next point was they did it if you look at even all the if you look at all the demonstration or registered demonstrations that I'm here in America. Hold on. You froze. You can hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. If you look at all the time, the uh, uh, registered demonstrations throughout the time period in America, less than like 3% were like violent or had like reports where like police were called and things like that, right? So there's also the aspect to kind of play at a less emotionally charged what we made earlier where it's like you know we should always strive to be that one percent better but because we have these things thrown at us things feel so much worse and obviously the things that we look at this will be only compare up well we are addicted to negative shit we're addicted to the bad things and shit blowing up so we don't see the videos of the people who are just like quiet with maybe a fucking like sign or a horn that is walking through you know, fucking just chilling, right? Like you don't, you don't see those things. And I make a counterpoint that is going to probably upset you, but I'm going to, I have to say it anyway. How, what percentage of traffic stops end up with a unarmed black man getting shot? Very, very little. So, but that, that is the counterpoint though, right? Where we're talking about how one very, 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 very small subsect, even if it is very small, can corrupt everyone else. But if you're if you're a police if you're police officers, you have to excise and disconnect immediately from that person or that subsect. Otherwise it corrupts everything that you stand for, that police officers are. And we did run into that problem, right? In 2020, abolish the police was like a very, very big platform that people were pushing forward. In retrospect, that's fucking insane. Like we can have that conversation and be like, it's insane that people were really pushing that forward to say that we needed to abolish the police, right? And but this is again, I again kind of my point. I I hate to even continue berating this thing, but like I do want us to get closer on this because 
I don't think we're far off, but I, no, but I don't think we're far at all. Obviously, coming from from different perspectives, and I think that like you're bringing up an example of there's a very small percentage of these riots that or protests that turned into riots or turned violent or anything like that. And I would agree with you, right? I would agree with you, but it it doesn't take a hundred percent or even a majority to corrupt a cause or to turn public opinion against a cause or against a group of people. Um, I, another example of this, I guess, just because we were talking about it a moment ago, but like you, you only need one massacre yeah. to turn public opinion against a people. You only need one Pearl Harbor to convince a country of 500 million people or whatever, like 200 million people back then to, to go to war. Right. Like it, it only takes one event, one instance, really one word. Right. Like if if Trump got up on on stage and dropped the in bomb, like some shit would happen. Like like that would be that would be a moment. Right. Like, But I'm also pretty sure if he, were, if he were to do that, if he were to do that or actually a better example, if Biden were to do that. A Republican would win. Yeah. A, a Republican. So. Trump would win if Biden were to do that. If it were Biden and Trump and they were, it was like the primaries. Yeah. Trump would 100% win. <laughs> and think about the impact of one word, one word. But how crazy is that, right? Of all the words that Biden has ever said in his life, it only takes one to have that outsized impact. Um, but, you know, m- maybe that is just kind of like the point that like both of us are trying to make in like different ways. I'm going to say, I think I'm going to step out and look for the congruency. So, because the thing is, as a guy who has had guns pointed in his direction three times, three and a half, the other one was kind of pointed at me. Two were by police officers in in situations where I was doing nothing. Both, I was pulled over because they thought my car was another car. And when they got me out of the, when I got out of the car, it was hands on the ceiling and it was immediately, and it was like, because they saw black males, car, fits description. That has never made me hate police, but I did fear the police. Okay. Well, you're good. It's, it's probably your internet. Like it always is. It is. Um, but I, I always held strong. And that's actually why, like, I don't know if you've ever watched Emmanuel Acho's uncomfortable conversations with a black man, like his internet series that he did and he won awards for, but he has a series or an episode where he does sit down with officers from all different races and just kind of talk about the, the state of things. Um, I talked to my uncles, I talked to other people I knew were in law enforcement. I never was a thought the police person never have been right. I never thought that that was the way to go. I understood the emotion, but I also understood, Hey, listen, one is enough to make it a conversation, but I don't, it, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate an entire group of people over something like you said, that is actually a very small subset of incidents. Like this does not happen every day. Right. But it does happen enough that we should have a conversation because there's definitely a disproportionate bias to who it happens to. And it's the same thing I have with like the riots. It's the same thing I have with the majority of things I look at, I always try to keep that perspective of like, I want to be a smart consumer of this. I don't want to abolish or dismiss it because it doesn't have anything to do with me. 
but also understand that if you're looking for me to come in and like hate another group or just behave in a way that is so unequivocally be unequivocally unequivocally biased towards one way, whether I am like aligned with that group or not, uh, or equivocally, unequivocally, that's the word I was looking for. Shit. <laughs> Chap lips. Um, unequivocally biased one way, then you're not going to get the right guy, right? Like, and I think that is where I think you hear the emotion sometimes in our conversation. You go, oh, he's hundred percent this way. And it could, it's a solid inference that I guess that this is how I would feel about this, but you brought up the police officer shooting black people and how it being a very, very small subsect. I'm like, exactly. I feel the same way about that, that just because the riots are bad, we can talk about them and you can have negative opinions about them. But you can't abolish the entire fucking movement or idea because of the riots that are such a small subsect. Same thing with the police. Let's talk about it. Let's fix this. But I'm not going to say fuck the police because this is happening. Because there are a lot of really, really good police officers out there. I look at them through the same lens on both sides. It's more about the idea of like a part corrupting the whole, you know. And that's more of where I was going with it is that I do think that it is... It's it's the the organization, right? It's the organization's um, responsibility to be able to notice and identify those corruptible parts. Yeah. And before it metastasizes, it becomes a fucking cancer to the entire organization. They have to get rid of it, right? right? Because one person can bring down an entire organization if that person gains enough notoriety or does something fucked up enough, right? And I think that that's, that's really fucking important to note because not, a, not enough people think in those terms. They don't think of how quickly you can fall from grace or anyone can fall, right? Or anyone can be fucking blacklisted. And this is really important. And I, I always really like this saying, but it's like reputation is gained in drops, but it's lost in buckets. Mm -hmm. And I think like, Charlie Munger like has talked a lot about how, you know, like reputation takes in a lifetime or wealth takes a lifetime to gain, but you know, one minute to lose, right? If you make the wrong decision. But I, I do think that it's the same thing for any kind of like cause or any kind of, you know, uh, of activism, anything that you believe in, right? Like if you believe in it strongly enough to be active for and promote it, you should also believe in it strongly enough to know that you have to get rid of some corruptible parts before they become worse and be before they start to sway public opinion too. And again, I, I would say the exact same thing about uh, a police organization as I would a, you know, a protest, right? If a protest is nonviolent and non-destructive and you see people around you starting to get a little bit rowdy, starting to like throw rocks at windows and shit, it is on the people in that protest, the leaders of that protest, to keep it non-violent because if it does turn into a lot. So you just no, don't know. That's, that's the thing is like, I absolutely know that it happened a lot. I absolutely know that it happened a lot. Um, and, th and that's part of my point too, is like there are people who are trying to do the responsible thing to keep the eyes on the prize, right? Like, and I remember a lot of like the videos you would see coming out of like 2020, right? Where there would be like, you know, people getting up in like cop spaces and like spitting at them and shit like that. And like, I'm seeing that and I'm like, you see videos of this 
And that is not being perceived by national public opinion in a positive light, right? right? No matter like what emotions you're feeling in the moment, for like true leaders, they have to be able to step in even to their own and say, this is not the right place, not the right time, not the right way to do this. If we want to promote our cause, we have to take a step back and not do this shit this way. You can't do it this way, right? But it is very important to me, and I think important for a lot of people to understand, that you have to hold your own accountable, even more strongly in a lot of cases, than outsiders. Agreed. I don't, I don't, I don't think that outsiders can hold a group accountable, which is also actually why I'm I'm very big for the fact that police officers should be for what should police from where they're from or police where they're from. Like you shouldn't yeah. be able to like come yeah, from yeah. another city and then please because like, you don't understand the people, you don't understand the, the culture and whatnot there. Whether there is a racial divide or not, like you could be a white guy in a suburban neighborhood policing a white inner city, you know, subsect, and you still won't relate to the people the same way and understand them. And a lot of things will be just taken out of context and misunderstandings happen, and that's when bad things happen. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think that as a black man, I'm big on like. I told you, like, I had to get out of one of my group chats because I had friends who were like, we're just going back and forth. And like, dude, like, this is, this is senseless. Like, you're not going to get anything done this way. Like, I get it, but like, you're not getting anything done this way. I understand where you're coming from. My emotion is with you, but my logical brain wants to solve this. And I think the question I would pose to you and to pose to anyone, because it, back to my point earlier, it seems very convenient that usually either people who are bystanders or people who are, the ones trying that are trying that are, people are trying to convince are the ones that eventually go they shut the responsibility and go see you should have policed your people better and maybe i would have listened longer and it's not that i don't agree that people should hold their own accountable right police officers women black and brown people i guess i would just ask any like logical person what is more probable a person or leader who's in charge of hundreds of people making sure that all 100 or 200 or 300 people behave accordingly so that you don't get any skewed views or you properly educating yourself enough to have a withstanding understanding of whatever it is you're observing so that way when there are detractors or derailers like you can take it as new information but it doesn't color the entirety of your shallow opinion that you had to begin with right like well, i will 100 disagree with you on this one it is 100 percent on people inside of a cause to control the actions of people who are promoting that cause you, so if i told you i just hated the police would you not tell me that that was like a flawed ideal well i would i mean i would say that it would probably be flawed from the perspective of like a viewing that i guess that extreme but I, so yeah, I would say that that's that's flawed. I have a gun pointed at you twice. <laughs> well, I'm okay. So, but that that's just an opinion, though. What do you mean? What I'm saying is, if if you're promoting a cause, like what cause is I hate the police? Well, I mean, so obviously, if I'm aligning with uh, maybe more extreme people of like Black Lives Matter or any sort of just like anti-police cause, it's not just Black people. There are multiple subsects of people who do not like police officers. Um, and I don't consider myself akin to any of them, having had very negative experiences with them. And so I would say that 
I could challenge the entirety of the police organization of America to get better, and then I'll change my opinion on them, or I'll change whatever cause I'm promoting that might be anti them. Or if I realize that that is just an unrealistic expectation because there's fucking thousands of them and the chances that they could go through and make sure that every single one was perfect is slim. It sucks. It sucks, but that's that's the nature of it. Like you're going to have people who are unqualified or unfitting in certain positions or scenarios, right? Like if we go to a show and we're at a bodybuilding show and it's like, yeah, we're here to support and we're here to do this and here to do that. And you got one asshole in the corner who's like, booing fucking people on stage and just being super fucking obnoxious and yeah. Yeah, it's like I would say that like whatever that person's cause is i would immediately hate it like or i would immediately be, be disenfranchised from that person's cause whatever is compelling them to boo like if they're there supporting someone else i would immediately feel less inclined to support that person that they're rooting for it's not my pulling point, me closer to their side my point is not actually a point is he or be lumped. It's me. The audience. The audience was booing. Right. If there are a couple people who are booing, the audience was booing, even though the audience is full of a hundred people and there was three people, two people, one person started it, and so it's the audience was booing. It's a fuck them. It's fuck the spectators, and that it's the same thing that happened. I don't know if you saw with um, ah uh, fuck, what is his name? The past owner of the Bulls. I, they just had like a cool thing for oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I know you're talking about. Um, uh, so, look out about it. But essentially, like the crowd booed. And I know it wasn't the entirety of the arena, but the entirety of the arena was what made papers the next day. Yeah. Much unruly crowd, assholes. Da, da, da. It didn't talk about the people who were sitting there like not doing anything or maybe clapping. It talked about people who were booing. And I feel like I feel like the only difference in you and I's opinion is I want to hold both sides accountable and you're allowing one side and out based on the behavior of the few, even acknowledging that it is the behavior of few. Uh, I mean, what I'll say is I, I don't think that the Bulls crowd is trying to sway public opinion in their favor. The Bulls crowd is just expressing their opinion. They're, expre they're expressing their displeasure. Um, I think where that becomes different is if the Bulls crowd is trying to convince more people to be Bulls fans that are watching on TV. Because then, if that's the case, they're not making a great argument for that. Because yeah. people are like, man, I'm not really enjoying the Bulls right now. If that's how they're treating their own people, right? If that's how they're treating a former owner who brought them six titles, right? Like, do I really want to be part of a fan base like that? And you know, I think going back to the audience question, right? Uh, or like the at a bodybuilding show, it's it's difficult because whenever I'm viewing this or whenever I'm thinking about this topic specifically, I'm thinking about there is a cause, there are people that are supporters of a cause, and then there are impartial observers that are neutral that are viewing what is happening between supporters of the cause and then, you know, maybe maybe not even like the the antithesis of the cause, but like just, you know, whatever other abstract or a pause make sure we're on the same so like the reason why i use the audience is because it's a lot more typical to use like for simple things like that when to your point of pretty much the few fucking it up for the many right the the few detractors being able to completely derail um 
the, the activism or the cause or the the hopeful outcome of of taking said actions. Um, so that's why, just so you know, that's why I introduced because like that's typically what happens, right? Like a, a few mess it up for the many is it's been something we learned since grade school. So that's why I brought that up, just like a clarification. And and I mean, I I do think that that is a real thing, right? Like, I mean, if you are at football practice and someone keeps fumbling, everyone runs fucking sprints. Like the whole team gets fucking gets punished because one person shows up late or sh shows up hungover to practice, right? Everyone has to run. That is the many getting punished for the the few. I I think that's a different point that I'm making though. That what I'm making is if you're if you're promoting. Again, if you're promoting a cause, if you, if you have something that is just that you're fighting for, the whole point of you being an activist is to convince more people to come over to your cause. Like, what? Otherwise, why would you do it, right? Otherwise, you're just screaming into the void. Yeah. But the whole point of having something that is worth that that energy is to convince more people to join you and say, like, this is worth my time and energy as well. And then they convince more people and they, and then all of a sudden, like we have change, like things happen because enough people are persuaded by that cause. My point here is that if you have a budding cause and you have people that are not persuasive in the way that they demonstrate and the way that they, they go about that convincing neutral parties to join the cause, it dies out because enough people are, are pushed away. From the actions of the few even it, it can be a few it doesn't even have it doesn't have to be the whole cause or the majority it can still be a few at the beginning right but if that happens then the cause dies out and people don't pay attention to the cause anymore and it or or even they go against the cause like they don't they don't want to associate at all with that thing and that's more so where i'm coming from here is that yeah. is that if you that's a fact that's actual that's just how it goes like that is a fact I'm more so talking about how you feel. It well, so so this is what well, this is where I'm coming from, right? Like where I'm coming from is if I'm a true neutral party, so we can come up with something that's different than like BLM or or you know Black Lives Matter or anything like that. We can we can come up with something that is like not even real, right? Climate change. I mean, BLM's fine, but I'm like we can keep climate change. But even then, I would say that I'm not neutral to climate change because climate, like, like I, I do have an opinion on that. But I'll, I'll say something I'm completely neutral on. And also, also, I do think it's important to like not have an idea of like, like for me, climate change activists. I think I see them as like in a negative light already because of the way that it's been done, right? But let's say we have a neutral, we have a neutral budding cause. And we also have a, a an activist group that is supporting that cause. And I'm viewing it from the outside and I'm looking at this and I'm ready to be persuaded one way or the other, right? I have no prior biases on the matter. It's it's a one it's like one or the other, right? Like I mean, I could be swayed here or there. If someone is persuasive enough that's leading that cause, then I could be pulled into it. And I could become a supporter and I can become an activist for that cause. But if I see one person that does something that is ugh, like borderline, or if I, if I am off put by it, or if it is like amoral or unethical, or there's some kind of like stigma that gets associated with that cause, I start to space myself and distance myself from that because then I don't want to be associated with it anymore. And a lot of neutral people are like that, especially if they're they're balancing on the edge of like, I could be persuaded, but I also could not give a fuck about this thing. Right. Like, like 
it, it is important to understand that you're not always going to be talking to people that are biased in your direction. I don't think that that's necessarily a prerequisite. Um, I, I think the more and more you presented your point, I think the more and more I probably go back and I say, maybe you're not the person I would have been like, I want to convince to be on my side or to speak with me or for me. And I think this is just, so my opinion of this is if you don't have an opinion then I don't give a fuck to talk about you. That means you haven't given any thought, right? Like if you can be swayed either way, then you don't know anything, which means you have kind of had your head under a rock. And if I can lose you just as quick as I can get you, then me spending the hour talking to you or spending the time to try to have a conversation with you to me is a wasted effort. I would like to talk to someone who is invested in knowing. And just because someone asks me questions doesn't mean they're biased to how I feel, but they are biased to understanding. So I think for me, it'd be a definition of the term neutral. Are you neutral? Like I could keep sleeping and not giving a fuck and just going with, I could, I literally hear it, but I don't care, but sure. I'll listen. Or are you like, huh? What's going over there? I don't I don't really get it. Like I don't understand why this group is that. Like there's there's an obvious like disparity between interest level and deciding to give a fuck and then deciding like I could, you know? And of course for those people who are like I could, I honestly wouldn't waste time. That might be like a rude thing to say, but like I don't care to change your mind because if you could, then you could the other way as well. But if you are really invested in understanding and you want to know, I'm like, I'm not here. Like I tell everybody when they come to me, like, what can I do about this group or that group or whatever? I'm like, have conversations because that's all I'm going to do with you is have a conversation with you and give you my perspective and my thoughts and what I've been through. And then you can go talk to fucking Boris, the guy who started to cook the KKK and you can talk to him and then make your own decision, bro. I am confident that once you talk to both of us, you'll probably go, I think I agree a bit more with you than you will with him, but I'm not here to convince you. And I think that's one, probably a inevitable just flaw of activism in general. It's not there to educate. It's there to tell people who you should and shouldn't agree with. And then on the other end is like, well, if you are going to be an activist and do it the right way, who is it that you want to talk to? Do you want to talk to everyone? Or do you want to talk to people who actually like are looking to give a fuck, just they don't know what where to throw their fucks. Like, I don't know enough to, to throw a fuck in any bucket. So tell me so I can get some information from you and I'll get my information over here and over there. But that requires people to, again, to be like responsible consumers, which they are not. And that's where, that's where we're departing right mm -hmm. now. Because if you and I sit down to have a conversation, I'm, and this is actually interesting, but like, it's funny because I'm, I'm like, I'm steel manning a case that I don't even really believe in right now right. because I am in some way noticing like inconsistencies with the way that you're approaching it, which is well, because I think that, again, we're talking about activism. We're talking about like actually wanting to make strides for a cause. And the only way to make purposeful, meaningful strides is to get the masses on your side. Like not not friends in your proximity. Disagree. I, I would I would strongly disagree because we've talked about this before, right? Like 
you not just masses on your you have to you have to they can't be on your side. I think that's the the big difference. If you want to win something, they have to be you. They they can't go. Oh, they agree with me. No, they they're us. Right. I think that all you all you have to have is is support. Like you have to have people that are willing to check a box on a voting ballot and cast their support for a person who is the representative of a cause. That's how change. They'll be just as willing to cast a different vote the next four yeah. years. Two I, years. I agree. I agree with you 100%. Most people are fickle as fuck. Most people don't hold beliefs strongly. Like right. you, you hold beliefs very strongly about this. Most people never, never will, never will, especially people that are not in your, your group. And I, I'm going to say your group and I'm going to say like minority group <laughs> because most people that don't experience the same thing that you do they're not going to have the same emotional connection to the cause. And the same thing with like climate change. Most people, they don't, they don't immerse themselves enough around other people that care that much about climate change to care that much about digging deeper into the science behind it. Right. But that's also why people can be convinced whether, Oh, like I believe in climate change today or, Oh, tomorrow. I, 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 I it's all a hoax. It's all a hoax. And then like, Oh shit. It's getting warmer. I'm seeing these stats. Oh, climate change is back again. Oh, wait. But if we're hitting record lows in temperature, there's a blizzard. Oh, climate change obviously can't be a thing then. People get swayed back. Like, you know this. Most people are fucking stupid. We talk about this all the time. Most people are so dumb. And I think, and this is, again, this is my opinion. I think that is why you have to, if, if you're trying to sway people's opinion, it's a fickle fucking opinion. It's extremely fickle. And a lot of it too it's not guided by deep conversation. It's not guided by by thoughtful people. It's guided by social media. It's guided by like TikTok clips that you see in passing. So if you're if again, if you're championing a cause, you don't want there to be a viral TikTok video, TikTok video of someone in your cause burning down a fucking building. Like you don't want that because then that's what people see and it sways public opinion against you. I think, yes, I don't. And I think, again, I think, I, so we probably should have started with this because I can see where you would see inconsistencies in the way that I'm approaching this if you thought that I was trying to approach it the same way as you. And I think you looked at it as a numbers game, right? If you want to get the numbers on your side, this is how you get it. And yeah, and, and I kind of to my earlier earlier point, I 100% agree with this. I also see the inevitable flaws in it. So I naturally tandem, like I'm not gay. I don't have a gay best friend, but my ex is like, obviously she had sisters-in-laws, right? So her her sister and her sister's wife were both gay, very, very close, love them to death, right? Spent several you know seasons playing gay dodgeball, gay kickball, whatever, right? Don't really talk to any of them at all. Yeah. But if something came out, that was like anti that community, I would probably go against it. Not because I'm top, but because I had conversations, I got to know them and got to understand them. And so even if this thing that comes out is like, wow, they, they're doing, but I know, I know it's because of the close ties and understanding that you have a more, a less fickle, you know, relationship there and a more sound ally. And I guess for me, 
if I want to get something passed, right? Like they, the police reform thing, right? You want numbers. If you want change to happen, which is what I truly believe that most activists want. I, if you are out championing, championing a bill or a law or an amendment, you want numbers, but also like it's going to derail the way that you approach things and you're probably going to not do things the best way. But I truly believe the crutch of activism comes down to, or the crux of activism comes down to wanting to enact change, like really wanting things to. And so I don't think that change happens in like the law houses. I personally just don't feel like they happen there. I think change happens on a more social level and through understanding. And so I could go out and I could make viral TikToks on, hey, here's how to talk to your friendly neighborhood black guy, you know, or here's how to understand your neighborhood. Or I could just do what I normally do and just try to have meaningful conversations with all people that I meet and let them experience me as an individual. And maybe I changed some of their opinions. Maybe I reinforced some of their opinions. Maybe they don't have an opinion at all. But it's only through that that when they go somewhere else that maybe they don't have this like negative opinion or a negative bias of a guy who might look like me and go, oh, well, because in their mind, like, no, I met Chris and Chris is cool. And even if they didn't consciously register that Chris is a black guy that they could relate to subconsciously, they may have withered away whatever maybe unconscious bias they might have had. So I think that's where my argument comes from, where I'm like, I'm not going for numbers. I'm going for meaningfulness because that's where I think activism finally finds its like finish line. Hey, we got here, right? The, it, all right. So we're, we're back around to agreeing. We're back around to agreeing. But what I'll say is that I think that legislature has to come before change. It has to, it has to come before systemic social change and the reason i say this is because that's how things get normalized things get normalized by force you are forced to confront something that you aren't a hundred percent sure of or don't a hundred percent agree with think about think about this i, I got you. Oh, i got you don't worry i got i got give me an example of where legislator proclamation emancipation proclamation if lincoln doesn't free the slaves and then it isn't normalized across society to no longer own slaves, does that still accelerate at the same trajectory as if that legislation is not forcibly passed? My contention here is no, it's not. Same thing, same thing with um, busing laws or, or, or um, desegregation of schools. Let's say that, desegregation of schools. If that was not mandated by the Supreme Court, would that have dispersed as quickly as if people were forced to confront that reality rather actively changes the as quickly changes the the thing that's what, that's what i'm saying is that like the voting box legislature passing passing laws that that force social change to happen and then force people quickly. to quickly quickly and then force people to confront that change it normalizes the change to then propagate more social change in the future so like we don't get to the idea of confronting you know dei issues if we don't first have emancipation proclamation and then we don't get you know suffrage for for uh, african americans and then we don't get desegregation and then we don't get xyz right we don't get to this point where we're talking about dei initiatives 
unless we get legislature at each of these steps, because it, it doesn't happen naturally in a lot of ways, right? I think that I think that's that was my pushback. And that's why I said the qualifier is quickly, because I don't think that any legislation has ever predated a need or want for that. Right. Like even yeah. go back to like religion. Yeah. Constantine made Christianity the national, the empirical religion because it was already gaining its masses. So he said, fuck it. If you're not on the board, you're actually wrong now. Everyone, this is what we do. We do Christianity. I think the same thing could be said for like the Emancipation Proclamation, even like you talk about Stonewall and stuff like that. And a lot of like the civil rights for people in the LGBT community, there was already an outcry. And the important piece is there was an outcry loud enough from the people beyond the marginalized group. And I think that predates the legislature. And so then the government goes, well, wait a second. Okay, it's not just black people screaming or just gay people screaming or just white or women screaming. It is people who look like us. They're saying we need to do this thing or we need to do that or do that or whatever. And so now let's make a law to accelerate how quickly this moves because we want to be a part of it moving faster. Yeah, and, and I, I think that just goes back to my point where like, yeah, if, if every... If every person who was against Black Lives Matter was able able to sit down and have a conversation one on one with you for hours, you would most likely be able to convince them of the the justification for the cause, right? My perspective, and I think that this is actually a good way to wrap this up because I I do think that we like got back around to being on the same side. My perspective here is that the the idealistic vision of this is typically not going to actually play out in reality like we're, we're typically not going to get the the best or most you know articulate version of of this person who is able to talk about our cause or promote our cause that's usually not who is pushed to the forefront and because of that you have to you have to make sure that your your cause has an image that people want to align with. And even if it's just transient, right? Like even if it's if it's surface levels, fuck, even if they don't know why they they agree with it, even if, you know, they could be swayed here or there very easily, you want to accumulate enough goodwill over time to your cause to where people feel comfortable enough voting for that cause or or electing officials who have that cause as part of their platform, whatever, right? Or like even just giving more power to the cause itself, however the fuck you want to do that. Um, but I think that's where, that's where like my perspective on this is, is like, it's extremely fragile. Like it is an extremely fragile thing to maintain a quote unquote good reputation or whatever it is that you're trying to promote, especially, especially whenever it's a very contentious issue. And whenever there are a lot of people who are uninformed and there are a lot of people who are kind of on on the periphery of being immediately impacted by that cause they're easily swayed in a positive direction to the cause but also in a negative direction so like that's where i do think that it is incredibly important to be able to contain the perception the public perception yeah. of the, the activists, the activism, the cause itself, the organization, you have to keep a lid on that shit. 
you have to keep it like tidy as fuck. I think begs itself to your point earlier, which I actually truly believe because I think it's too easy to do and it's what I would do. Um, to the con- conspiratorial aspect of like, is there a reason we only see negative things? Is there a reason I like both in like the action, right? Like, let's go plan a like fucked up riot and say this is who we are, but also in the dissemination of information from the top down, right? Like, well, if they're bickering with each other, then they can't really focus on like what's going on over here, right? The whole idea of like they're, they're not going to come at the government for the tax inflation and this and that because they're too busy arguing about black and white shit. So like it's fine. Like we'll keep letting them do this. We'll keep making this the news. Um, that I, I definitely think that there's that at play, which adds a new layer to trying to keep a lid on it. Um, and then also, I guess I should probably mention too, uh, it just kind of dawned on me. We always get like deep in our conversations. And then I realized like we should probably have like, like a criterion breakdown of like, Hey, this is, this is where my argument is based on. Cause then I'm also like, as you're talking about getting things passed, Dude, this I don't give a fuck about getting a law passed. A law is never like you talk about the precipitation of behavior based on laws, and I will concede that generationally laws being passed or things being changed and amended have made my life better through mass acceptance or encouraged mass acceptance of certain things. And in my lifespan, not a single law. Have I been able to directly tie back to like, oh, wow, like this had an exponential downfall or not, I guess not downfall, but just like downstream effect on my life. All of the positive things that have happened in my life have come through relationships built by me or relationships built by people I have relationships with. So whenever I think about change, it's never coming like obviously something big like gay marriage, right? Like, yes, I believe gay people should be gay. Let's get that law passed. Right. But I don't feel like there has been for other minority groups, women, black, brown people, the religious, religious minorities, et cetera. I don't feel like there's been a law in our 30 years that has been passed that like would, would change their life tomorrow. Well, I, right? guarantee, I guarantee that there, there have been probably a lot. It's just harder to pinpoint them. And I'm saying, Thing, change, like not the downstream effect, right? But like gay marriage, obviously, like today it was illegal to get married if you're gay. Tomorrow it is not. Like I don't know if we've had that for like a lot of the other minority groups. Um, it in in my opinion, it's it's more so of it, it's like a normalization effect of of anything, right? So I I think that that's what a lot of these types of laws do is they make something a bit more normal and make a little bit more acceptable and they make it a little bit more tangible in everyday life. So you're experiencing it more and you're seeing it more and you're feeling it more. So then over time, you don't even think about it. It's just part of life, Mm -hmm. right? Like women showing up in the workplace at first, I'm sure it was a fucking like, what is happening right now? What is this shit? Over time, you just get used to it. Right. And then, Oh shit, there's a woman CEO. What the fuck is this? And then over time you just get used to it. It's not a big deal anymore, right? Coaches, women coaches and women referees are coming on. Yeah, like, but again, like it's these types of things where it can be a large scale or it can be a small scale. But if there's anything that you're pushing or anything that I guess justifies like a cause or any type of activism within it, and I guess I would say every law technically is a cause because yeah. it has to have people that are promoting it and people that are are being active for it to get it passed um it has supporters 
But the whole idea there is like, yeah, you know, laws can be anti-abortion laws. I'll, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's that's obviously a really really big one, you know. Um, and but the, it's just there are things that that get passed at like a societal level or that get pushed at a societal level that they just normalize things a bit more. That doesn't mean that people actually start to believe them. That doesn't mean that people become more passionate about that thing. It's just that you don't think about it as much anymore. And over time, because you don't think about it as much anymore, it doesn't become, it's no longer an issue or at least it's no longer an issue in the same way, right? Like in the 1860s, slavery was an issue in the U.S., right? I, I, I will caveat that U.S., and now slavery in the U.S. is not an issue, or at least like African-American slavery is not an issue. Like if you want to, you know, caveat that with sex, sex slavery, then like that's a whole different topic. But it's not an issue in the same way as it was back then. We also don't even think about it. If we were to see a black slave just chilling in someone's yard, like it would, we'd call, we'd call people. We'd be yeah. like, bro, there you go. We, we need the authorities out here right now. This shit is not okay. But it's it's not something that that we had to like actively decide to be against human slavery. Over time, that became anti-normalized. Yeah. Right? And now we know that morally, slavery is bad. We do not agree with that. So then we can just all move on with our lives. And that is no longer a social and emotional pressure for us to have to contemplate every day. And in 50 years... The things that we're talking about right now, like a lot of the causes that we're talking about, will probably not be issues, and we'll have moving we'll light color. We'll be beige, and yeah, it'll it'll be something different in fifty years. But I, I wrapping it all back around, I, that is for me, I guess, like the crux of like absolute versus relative progress. You know, where you and I just had an hour long conversation about something that I would consider and deem to be relative. Mm -hmm. It is it is a relative issue of our time. Yeah. And in fifty years, in fifty years, we will have absolutely moved past this issues or these issues, and we'll be on to more relative issues. But we've still progressed in absolute terms because now we're talking about things that are further out on the concern spectrum. Right? It's becoming further and further and further pressed out there. Um, and yes, there's still going to be people, be people that are marginalized. There's still going to be inequalities. There always will be, but they'll be different. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about relativity and I think that this will be like a really good point. So I just made a post. I was just appreciating him. And um, one of the points I made, which I thought I'd get more conversation about, but I didn't um, think because I wasn't really wanting to talk about it, but like proving to multiple people that I was good enough. Right. And I met shit and like white teachers because I've had more than one. I think the two and a half, three, the, the, the half is. I think she had some isms in her and then they just quickly went out. But the two were like really, really blatant. They're really, really blatant. Um, these people kind of misassumed the kind of person I was. And then funny enough, they both ended up writing recommendation letters for me. One to a private school I went to and the other to college. Uh, but the beginning of the semesters with those teachers didn't start well. But that's a problem that I had to face. Problem my parents had to face were all their white teachers just didn't like them. A problem my grandparents if I had to face, different kind of problem, they didn't have white teachers, right? They, 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 they didn't have access to people maybe who went to higher education to teach them. 
Um, so like you said, it's, it's all relative. It, things graduate to being less important or not important, uh, which doesn't make them any less fun to talk about. But obviously, like you said, like I actually, it's funny because every time you label our conversations, we might diverge here. Or we, we kind of got into it here and I'm like, Oh, and we're ever getting into it. But I, I always, because in my head, I'm like, I get excited, but I get excited about sports. Like I can, I can get this excited about LeBron James being the GOAT. I can get this excited about Lamar Jackson should be winning the MVP. Um, I am passionate. I have opinions. And I think that's why I like having these conversations with you because I know that there's a part of me that's really strongly rooted in the logic. And I'm sure by friends and other black people, I've been labeled as like an Uncle Tom or this or a white sympathist because I choose to try to understand where the majority of people are coming from if they have an opinion. Um, and also I'm like, dude, I'm a black guy. And I recognize that I have some emotional bias that I try to always frame in a, Hey, instead of this being a bias that I hold, let me explain to you my perspective so that you can hopefully ingratiate it into your understanding of the world around you as like a, Hey, logic data is not just numbers. It's the, I can quantify the emotions. 100 million people are pissed off about this. 5 million people are pissed off about this. I don't have to meet them in an emotional battle. That is quantifiable data that I can take and put into my logical argument. And so if you're listening to this, if we ever get this out to you guys, hopefully we do, because this was actually pretty good. I enjoyed this. Um, I just encourage good dialogue because good dialogue is data and data helps you make decisions. Of course, thank you all for tuning into this impromptu conversational just podcast episode that Bryce and I did not plan on putting together, but we hope that if you made it this far, that you took something from it. Um, obviously, this is a lot more contextual. Be kind in the comments. Understand that we love everybody. Most people, actually, we don't really like many people, but we'd like to understand most people. So if you have anything you want to share, stories, questions, comments, concerns, like, share, find us on Apple Music, Spotify, or YouTube. We love to see you there. See you next time.